Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hey Field Hang 10, watch out for a new wave of episodes for Forgotten Cinema Season 9, Forgotten Summer. Ugh, really, Butler, a theme season? Let me guess, we're going to talk about films that were released in the coveted summer months that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences. You know it, bro. What we liked about them or maybe didn't, but we'll always recommend people check them out. Maybe they'll find their own Forgotten Summer gem. So check out Forgotten Summer wherever you get your podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hold on, gotta catch this wave. We're sitting at desk in the recording booth. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith. And I'm Andrew Tahada. I am a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a freelance writer with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a film and its connection to the DC animated movie universe, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to our first episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. My name is Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That is longer than any of the Stranger Things kids have actually been alive. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe even combined. They're all really young. Wow. (laughs) We're old. Very, very old. But besides (laughs) that, that gave us enough time to really jump in and learn a lot about these DC animated movies because we grew up with them. Yeah, we've been uh, watching Batman animated series, Static Shock, mm-hmm. Zeta Project. Ooh, that's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going deep cuts. I want to <laughs> let them know that we're, we're real ones and we're not amateurs here. We, we know everything. And by everything, I mean anything that has been on a TV screen because I do read sometimes, just not nearly as often as Shamar over here. Yes, I've been reading comic books since I was a wee child. All those books that I had to read for English class, I am very sorry to all of my English teachers. Just so happened that Flash had a better storyline at that point. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of The Flash, our first episode, we're going to talk about the start of a new universe with Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. Yes, yes. So DC decided to just start a whole continuity of tight, knit stories, everything related to each other. Flashpoint Paradox was the official beginning of this long shared universe that culminates in Justice League Apocalypse War, which we'll get to a long time from now. (laughs) But hopefully (laughs) you'll be listening along with us. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Unless you like binge them all in one and then you're like, oh, and 13 hours or so you'll get to it. So we're going to start off with Flashpoint Paradox. And I'll say right from the top, 
that this movie it's really good uh spoiler alert i'm sorry i ruined the review for you already but yeah this is a really good movie it has a lot of moving parts but they all fit together well and i think we should just dive into it yes based on the 2011 comic of a similar name by jeff johns and andy kubert this 2013 film was directed by Jay Olivia, who will go on and direct a lot more of the new DC 52 uh, movies that we're going to see and talk about. So hopefully, as I mentioned, you're joining us along for this journey. This movie in particular answers and asks the question, if you have the power to change the darkest moment of your life, do you do it? At a runtime of 81 minutes, not only do we hear the DCAU legendary voices of Kevin Conroy, Sam Daly, Dana Delaney, Andrea Romano, Nathan Fillion, and Ron Perlman, we're also introduced to Justin Chambers as The Flash. Funny thing, Justin Chambers, you might remember from Grey's Anatomy. What? We're also, yeah, that was, that was a shocker for me. <laughs> We also see C. Thomas Howell as Eobar Thawne, Kevin McKidd as Thomas Wayne, Batman. That was a little spoiler. I'm sorry, but we'll get to that. And last but not least, Michael B. Jordan as Cyborg. Which is personally my favorite casting of this movie. And I'll, I'll definitely, once we get there, take a second to really appreciate this. But let's dive into the story. So Flashpoint Paradox, it starts like every good Batman movie with uh, some parent murder because Barry's mom (laughs) is a nice woman, but she gets murdered. We don't know who did it. We just know that young Barry Allen was not fast enough to stop it. Then we skip ahead when Barry Allen has his flash powers and he has to stop a bunch of his rogues gallery in a really fun scene. They're at the flash museum and he has to run around and, you know, stop captain cold and all his fun rogues. And then once he thinks he has the advantage, all of a sudden, Hubert Thon, Professor Zoom himself, shows up, said he orchestrated the whole thing. He set bombs on each one of these villains. And Flash, once again, is not fast enough to stop them. But luckily, all of the Justice League, I guess they had nothing else to do that day, just show up and help him out. Which leads to one thing I have to comment on right away is that Every member of the Justice League in this universe is ridiculously jacked. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> no one does leg day in this entire film. No. <laughs> they were all training with Bane because everyone's <laughs> necks are thick, their arms thick, legs thick, everything, every inch of every hero, even the ones that are not usually that bulky, they're thick as hell in this movie. Yep. Is there any comic where they're this thick? I mean, <laughs> no, I was really trying to find why they decided to go this route. Maybe they're thinking that they have like a runner's body. Sometimes they're a little more stockier on the top and then they're just toned as hell from the, the rest of the way down. And they really just wanted everybody to look like a runner, but it just really looked weird to tell you the truth. <laughs> I agree. It is. That is one thing you'll have to adjust to the visual style of, because seriously, I, I know it sounds like we're joking, but it is d- distracting how mm-hmm. many people have 10 packs in this movie. <laughs> I think even Lois Lane has a 10 pack. It, it's ridiculous, but you, you'll get used to it. So after the opening, Uberthon taunts Flash, reminding him of the time that his mother died. And 
Flash just runs away. He just says, you know what? Not dealing with this today. When he wakes up the next day, things have gone to hell. Aquaman is at war with Wonder Woman with their respective armies. Batman is more unhinged than usual. The world is on the brink of global destruction. And Cyborg is more massive than he was in the previous scene. You thought he was jacked in scene one? No, 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 friends. This cyborg is like eight feet taller, more muscles, and we get a full range of Michael B. Jordan's voice for the first time. Like Barry, remembering both of these timelines, I now have the comic and the movie swirling around in my head, (laughs) fighting for supremacy. And at some point in either the comic or the movie, Barry even also mentions how big and jacked cyborg looks in this new flashpoint (laughs) reality (laughs) so you heard it here first if you are looking to work out improve your body and you need some inspiration just look at any of these people (laughs) i guarantee you you're gonna find that motivation to lift that dumbbell today because (laughs) man everyone is just too jacked so barry asks like cyborg why are you so jacked why is the world so different And that's the movie's central mystery. We know that something has happened. Barry tries to go back in time because uh, Barry's powers do allow that. Barry can move fast enough with a combination of the speed force, which gives him his power. He can combine both things and go back in time, go to the future if he wants to, but mainly it's about the past. And he finds that he can't do it. So he suspects that Uber Thawne is behind the scenes manipulating things and he's trying to find him in this war-torn world. To help him narrow things down, he teams up with the greatest detective, Batman. He thinks it's Bruce Wayne, only to find out that it is actually Thomas Wayne. And in this reality, instead of Bruce's parents dying in the alley, Bruce gets shot. And the immediate trauma motivates his father to become Batman and motivates his mother to become the Joker. It is insane. Even if you don't watch the full movie, which you should, Mm -hmm. just look up the scene where Martha becomes the Joker because the way it's visually portrayed, the music, the staging of that scene is so so beautiful and, and so tragic at the same time. I would definitely encourage anyone to look at this, but Martha Wayne... We'll talk later about there has been this Martha Wayne Joker in the comics and everything, but that is something I want to put a pin in for later. So another big problem is that Barry doesn't have his speed. He's not as fast. And so he needs to get his powers back. And uh, spoiler alert, he does. (laughs) (laughs) Not not before he pretty much almost kills himself now. I think um, this was one of the most gruesome scenes in this film where you see Barry not only get hit by a bolt of lightning, but also he gets doused in all the chemicals that he thinks that he needs in order to get his speed back to recreate the accident where he first got his powers. So as you mentioned, Barry does get his speed back. And now that he does, he feels more empowered to attempt to travel back in time. But he notices that he doesn't have the speed in order to do so. And in one of the saddest scenes I think I've ever seen for a Flash film or comic, you just see him break down in tears as they just pan out 
And all you just see is this barren wasteland around him from the war that has been happening. And you just feel that loss that Barry has of something that was connected to his life. It's just gone. Barry starts working with um, Thomas Wayne Batman and trying to find out what are the similarities in their universe. They, they find out that Superman did make it to Earth. Instead of making it to Smallville, Kansas, unfortunately, his rocket landed in the middle of Metropolis, leaving this, honestly, the largest hole in the ground that I think I've ever seen. It's just this huge <laughs> crater that's been there for 30 years and no one has done any development on it. It hasn't turned into a community garden. You know, I mean, add, add a little something. It's like a pothole in New York City. That thing is never, never getting filled in. <laughs> I bet the city planner from New York City uh, was connected to Metropolis in some way. And that's why the hole was never filled in. <laughs> So while they're there and just discussing more about the future in the world that has been created, Cyborg comes and that's when Batman decides to join this team that Cyborg is trying to put together, the superhumans, to fight back against the war that's happening between the Atlanteans and the Amazonians. Cyborg, throughout this movie, his journey in this altered world is to keep hope because functionally everybody else has lost it. They think the war is going to destroy the world, that the Atlanteans or the Amazons will reign supreme. So why fight? Even the president is pretty much like, I guess I'll send some nukes. I'll try that. <laughs> but Cyborg is gathering the small bit of resistance to rise against and, and fight. And he has the uh, Shazam kids on his side. Lois Lane connected to him, mm -hmm. a bunch of fun villains, some B-list and C-listers that are all trying to help him stop the war in time for the world to not be completely wrecked. So Michael B. Jordan, I, I mean, I don't know we, if we even need to say it, but of course he's incredible as Cyborg. Why wouldn't he be? He balances out that calm intellect but there's still a lot of emotion in his voice i think that one day if the dc live action universe ever got it together that they should give michael b jordan a shot at it he'd be good i think uh he's still on my fan cast though for a, a superman version that's out there so if we do get him from cyborg great but I would really like him to be this one particular character in the DC <laughs> universe that has nothing connected to what we're talking about now. But if you do want to know who that person is, feel free to reach out to us and I'll be happy to explain why I think it's the most appropriate casting. Yes, Superman, he could be Green Lantern too, Martian mm -hmm. Manhunter. I'm just going to start a petition. Each episode, we start a new petition. I, I decided that right now. And my <laughs> petition is... A DC movie where Michael B. Jordan plays all the roles. Mm -hmm. He plays every single member of the Justice League. We'll do a, a team-up movie, just like the parent trap of DC movies, but it's all Michael <laughs> P. Jordan in every role. <laughs> and you see him change to different roles. Like he just throws on a wig to be Wonder <laughs> Woman and then takes it off for John Stewart. We're, we're workshopping this, but uh, sign our petition. Uh, we'll, we'll have the link in the description below. <laughs> <laughs> and then going back to the the wonderful portrayal of cyborg by michael b jordan um he decides to to join along with batman and flash to 
find this Superman has been buried under the government bureaucratic system of what we call an underground government facility that has been holding Superman for the last 30 years. They get in and they finally see Superman is under the red sun lighting to dampen his power, something he's been under for the last 30 years. So remember when we talked about the fact that everybody in this film was just rocking the 10 pack? This was not the case for Flashpoint Superman. <laughs> no, this man needed a hundred sandwiches. He, <laughs> if you blew on him, he'd just go into the wind because this guy is thin, he's malnourished, and his lack of human contact mm-hmm. has made him extremely scared and, and withdrawn. So much to the fact that when Cyborg's like, you're my friend, he's like, oh my God, friend? <laughs> What, what does that word mean? And he's immediately just enamored with Cyborg just because he said the word friend. Unfortunately, as they're leaving the base, there's a bunch of army guys that don't want this to happen. So there's a brief fight with Batman, Flash, Cyborg, but they're pressed down. So uh, Superman just uh, accidentally murders a bunch of people. But unlike Man of Steel... They're not innocent. They were at least firing at him. Um, (laughs) Shots fired. He does murder them and fly away because he can't really handle what he's done. Understandably, if you lived in a cave your whole life and then you accidentally murder a bunch of people, you might need a minute. Mm -hmm. So Superman flies away out of the storyline for a bit and Cyborg, Flash, and Batman decide to go to the site of the war because they've heard rumors that Professor Zoom is over there anyway. So they all head over to the final battle. Quickly, I just want to talk about what this war was about. Aquaman and Wonder Woman meet each other some years ago, or maybe within a year, maybe a couple months. We don't really know. They meet each other. They become enamored with one another. Aquaman is already married to Mira, or Aquaman, whichever name you prefer. She catches them in the act and decides to take out Wonder Woman to defend, I don't know whose honor. I don't know if it was for Aquaman's honor or her honor. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I always just felt like this probably wasn't the right move. I felt like this was a moment where she kind of lost her mind. And I mean that both figuratively and literally Because at the end of this battle, Wonder Woman beheads her. Mm. This leads to the war happening between the Amazons and the Atlanteans that has been exploding around the world. Once we see this through the flashbacks that Barry has, as his mind tries to rewrite the memories of of his old world with his new world, this is where they decide that it's time to act before Barry forgets everything and doesn't make it in time to change the world back to where it is. It's why Batman decides to join him because he'd rather sacrifice himself knowing that that Bruce will be the one that survives. As you mentioned, the war is happening. They get down to the to ground zero of it all. Um, and then it's just honestly just massacre after massacre at this point. Pure carnage. I mean, at one point, just to give you an idea of how crazy this fight scene gets, at one point, Cyborg's chest plate gets ripped off, and oh you see his beating heart. Yes. If we haven't mentioned that this movie is incredibly violent, 
like a lot of the movies we'll be talking about. This should give you an idea of what you're in for going into it. You will see Cyborg's beating heart in this film. And uh, it is crazy. This, again, sends everyone a huge message that the stakes in this universe are real because even Cyborg can die Mm -hmm. in this universe. And just as things are getting really bad, Barry gets jumped by (laughs) Professor Zoom. (laughs) Which I love that moment because it's just Professor Zoom just comes out of nowhere with like a cup of warm coffee or tea, just spinning his spoon in there to stir it all up and just tells him, oh, look at what we have here. Look what the cat dragged in. (laughs) And it's just like such a moment of levity, of dark levity, really, in just this Mm -hmm already gruesome moment we've seen a lot of our heroes get taken out we've seen just fight after fight we're feeling every single loss as this movie progresses and then it's just son is here to tell barry that this whole time in which he thought that it was professor zoom that created this new timeline for them that was actually barry who messed up this entire time and it's something that like really hits because it's something that gets echoed from the very beginning of the film with this his mother's quote to him about accepting the things in life recognizing what can be changed and how you can change it and definitely one most important thing knowing the difference between the two yes and uh barry forgot that lesson for a moment Mm -hmm. when he goes back in time and saves his mother which because he chooses to do this all the changes that happened in this bad version of the universe resulted in him going back and essentially causing what they call a time quake or butterfly effect, if you like that term better. But basically him changing one thing in the past makes all these different things change. Don't think about it logically because it won't make any sense, but (laughs) that's just how it works. That's just, you just can't go and mess around with time in this universe. So all hope looks lost. Uh, Zoom has Flash pinned. It looks really bad. And then guess what? Thomas Wayne, you know how Batman has problems using guns? Not Thomas Wayne, because he comes and he pops Zoom right in the head. Just dead headshot. Call him dead shot, because he does not miss. And <laughs> Just don't miss. <laughs> he just doesn't. So that now that Zoom is dead, Barry is free to run as fast as he can. He's injured. He's hurting emotionally, physically. He knows that what he does will cost him his mother's life, but it will save so many. So he runs back in time, stops himself from saving his mother, and the universe is restored back to normal. And that was the Flashpoint Paradox was based off of five core comics but a total of almost 66 stories and issues in general. It was, this was some heavy reading, man. Like it really kind of opened my eyes up to a lot of the moments in the film and a lot of things that throughout the film that I compared it to, I saw the things that the film, I will honestly say did better than the comic in some cases. Uh, two questions. Mm-hmm. Since you have read the comics and are uh, encyclopedic, these two questions are related to what I believe are the two flaws of the movie. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to reemphasize this movie is very good. So I'm just nitpicking at this point. <laughs> but one question I really had 
was Professor Zoom. Uh, he really hates Barry. <laughs> he did a lot oh. of things to mess up his life. In the film proper, I don't feel like there's ever a moment where we find out why he hates Barry. Mm-hmm. Is that elaborated on in the comic at all as to why he would just <laughs> let the world die to spite <laughs> Barry, essentially? Is there any reason? Yeah, there are so many different reasons connected to the love to hate Barry that (laughs) Zoom has. When he was first introduced back in um, September of 1963, he was just this regular thief who um, had this inclination towards science and all of his crimes. So his friends used to call him the professor. He gets retconned a lot where he gets his powers from recreating the accident that Barry went through. Back in the day, we really wanted to find cool ways to send time capsules. Now we just go with a standard buried it deep within the earth. In this particular comic, a scientist by the name of Dr. Walter Drake, who actually ends up getting retconned to more tie in with Zoom's history, he sends a time capsule spinning around the earth through a satellite and then because of science, sends it to the future. In that time capsule, Barry puts one of his old uniforms in there real real generous of you barry thanks right (laughs) it's all sweaty and smells like gym socks but thank you barry (laughs) so when it crashes into the future the 25th century where um thon is from he immediately sees it he's been studying barry's life um this entire time but more importantly the flash's life the flash ends up being this really amazing superhero's name is sung throughout the halls of um, Valhalla up until the 25th century. (laughs) And this entire time, he wants to become like him. He wants to become a speedster, mostly because he was like, I want to be recognized as possibly a hero, or even I want to commit crimes a little faster. So he finds the suit, takes it back to his home lab, and uses a device to amplify the, I believe is the speed force waves that have a residual effect in the suit still. And that's how he's able to get his powers. While he's committing his crimes, Barry finds out from Dr. Walter Drake that this device that's sent in the future is actually now an atomic bomb. That is definitely not what you want to do with your time capsule. You would just want to open it and find a Game Boy Advance in there. But right. <laughs> instead of a Game Boy Advance, it's, it's a nuclear bomb. <laughs> so Barry uses the, the cosmic treadmill to travel to the future. And he's looking all around for this atomic bomb that's about to blow up in who knows how long. But along the way, he catches Zoom in the middle of one of his crimes and the two of them fight. He ends up beating Zoom, not before Zoom ends up proclaiming his vengeance and long-term hatred towards Barry and how he now knows everything. And that's when you see more and more of that play out in future issues where Zoom finds out his identity, where Zoom starts doing things from behind the scenes to influence Barry's life. In a more recent comic, when I was mentioning the retconning, they had it that Zoom actually is responsible for every single bad moment in Barry's life, even the minor inconveniences. (laughs) Stub your toe? That was me, Flash. He kicked Barry down a set of steps and (laughs) ran away. (laughs) I felt so bad for this little kid, Barry, just walking down the steps and his like basically 
this is Spartan down the set of steps. <laughs> but it just shows that's the kind of level of hatred he had. He took away Barry's chance of forming a friendship when he erased his potential best friend of Barry's from the timeline. And then Jeez. eventually there are also cases in which he killed Iris was the main story point. But he actually, um, spoiler, takes her to the 31st century. Her mind, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, is like in this new body where she doesn't remember her past as well. But she just gets like little things and that's when Barry kind of retires. But he also tries to kill Barry's new wife at some point in the future. He just hated Barry for what he does. And that's why he saw himself as the reverse Flash. He saw that... He was, no matter how much he idolized him at times, that he was always going to be Barry's worst enemy. So he just leaned into that heavy. When you were granted the power to to possibly change your fate and you still go this route, Zoom was just a jerk. He was a bad guy. Simple as that. This guy, I mean, this is what happens when you spend all your day on message boards. I have a feeling that Zoom... <laughs> went back in time and started the parlor app like i I think this guy's problem this guy's a problem (laughs) move on (laughs) you got an entire future you could you could run back in time and pet a dinosaur and instead you kick a boy down the stairs no sympathy (laughs) for what happens to zoom (laughs) that confirms it yeah so that that is that definitely clears some things up so i I think it would have been nice to have a little bit of that backstory I definitely get that Zoom is a sadist in the movie. That is never in doubt. But I think there would have been some merit to getting a little bit of that in there. Mm -hmm. And I think my only other problem in in strong quotes (laughs) with this movie is I did kind of wonder about our girl Martha Wayne. I wanted that Martha Wayne Joker. We got that big tease. Yep. We didn't get any glimpse of it besides the brief scene. Is there a Martha Wayne Joker in the comics that I should know about that I can check out? Because I want to see this. There is. It is a tie-in comic to the Flashpoint series that came out. It's called Flashpoint Batman. It focuses in on Thomas Wayne. As you see in the film, you see all these casinos that he has that are connected to Wayne. That is what Batman slash Thomas decided to do to to monitor the the crime rate in his city. You see the little mention of this moment that Bruce has died. He's become Batman, but it's never really clear what happened to Martha. Except for that one moment where he's just mentioning that the Joker has kidnapped judge dent in the comics this is, is judge dent's kids um in the movie it's judge dent himself so this moment comes where he's going to find the joker after he finds out about barry and this new timeline where bruce is alive so he goes after joker and then that's when you first are introduced to the fact that martha wayne has become the joker The next issue you see um, that is kind of a bit more backstory. You see the moment. I think actually the movie did a lot better with her taking her hand off of Bruce's body, the bloody hand, and putting it near her mouth to mimic the smile of the Joker. I don't think we really see that in the comic. So that was like a really nice touch that I'm glad that they added to still 
hint at that. You see this backstory play out of the two of them trying to deal with the world with the fact that their son has just been murdered right in front of their eyes. She has her own breakdown while at home. She doesn't want to go out. Thomas is trying to get her to be a bit more interactive and he's going on his own journey of trying to find Joe Chill and um, make him pay for what he's done to Bruce. Before he leaves... He tells Martha at one point, I hardly ever see you smile anymore. Like, their son just died <laughs> less than maybe a month ago. Give her a minute. Right. It's just let her process. Your process way is different from her process. So he goes out, finds Joel's chill. He comes back feeling triumphant and wants to talk to Martha about what, everything that happens. And when he sees her, that's when she reveals to him that Similar to the Heath Ledger Joker, she is cut across the um, sides of her cheek to expose more of a smile. Mm. When they come to the final confrontation, this was, I think, issue number three. They had like three issues for each of these stories. You see the two of them talking and Thomas reveals to her that who Barry is, what he does, how, what world he has come from, and how Bruce will be there. And there's this one moment of clarity that she has where she's just like, we can live in a world where our son is back. And he says, no, we will be gone, but he will live on. Do I do it? Do I make this change to the timeline? Do I help him do this? Do you want to make this sacrifice? The clarity is coming back. It's just like, yes, I want to have this happen. I am fine with this sacrifice. And she's questioning now, what is he like? Well, how does he grow up to be? And Thomas mentions that he grows up to be like him. Mm. She's just thrilled. She's just like, oh my gosh, he gets to be a doctor? You know, this is amazing. I'm so happy. Yes, create this timeline. And that's when he reveals that no, the loss of his parents leads to Bruce becoming Batman. At this moment, she's distraught again. She breaks down. She takes off running and ends up jumping over a cliff into a cave that's reminiscent of the cave that you see Bruce fall into mm. and kills herself. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that got even darker than most <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, there were some really dark moments in these comics that I, um, I understand that you couldn't really put them in because of age restrictions and also you really have an hour for Barry to solve Armageddon, but I would have, there were some moments that I would have loved to have seen. And this was kind of one of them. I felt like Thomas Wayne was a bit too convicted to join with Barry, just like that. I kind of would have loved to have seen that moment with um, him and Martha to discuss, like, do we do this change to the world for the sake of our son? It will be such a parallel to what Barry has done to bring back his mother. Yes, that would have been amazing. But now uh, it's time for another segment that we just decided on mm -hmm. the, the RTA alteration where I suggest one Ooh, tiny like that. story. That's thing. really good. Yeah. I love that alliteration. My comic book yeah. side is like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Peter Parker, the, the, <laughs> the Benson burner. That that's a science <laughs> thing. That's not a hero. <laughs> it will be one day. Who knows? But uh, the RTA alteration where I suggest one change to the plot that I would have liked to see. And I know I'm saying this for like the eighth time, but this is a very good movie. So <laughs> the, this alteration is just more for me than anyone else. But I would have liked 
Green Lantern to be more figured into the plot. Uh, this Green Lantern is played by Nathan Fillion, which is supreme casting. Yes. You have yes. Nathan Fillion in the room. So selfishly, one part of me wanting more Green Lantern is more Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is there is a small subplot in this movie where this version of Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, never got the ring in the altered mm-hmm. Flashpoint timeline. So near the end of the movie, he's asked by the military to fly this alien plane in hopes that he can take out Aquaman before the war really kicks in. And he says, you know, I've been waiting for my whole life for something like this. He gets in the plane, the alien plane, and almost immediately dies. So, (laughs) (laughs) and it's, it's fine. It's fine. But I think that moment would have been so much more effective if he Mm -hmm. had been palling around with Barry and Batman and Cyborg for a while. We got to see how his life turned out without the ring. And then he has this moment where they say, you know, you should come with us. He's like, I can't do anything, but maybe I can do anything in this plane. And he goes in the plane and you've gotten to know him. It's triumphant music. And then Aquaman kills him. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I think that would have had a little bit more weight to it. And again, more Nathan Fillion, which is what we all need. Yes. Have you heard the man's voice? Ah, silky smooth. So yeah, that's that's the only alteration I would have made. Mm-hmm. This is this is an airtight movie. Before we get into any other comic things you want to talk about, the only other story thing I want to talk about because as a writer myself, I love when themes pay off, when people introduce themes and they really come full circle. Mm-hmm. So, like Shamar mentioned right at the beginning of the movie, we get the the serenity prayer: God, grant me the serenity to accept things I can change the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. The whole conflict of this movie is Barry going through that, those three phases, and learning that he can't change what happened to his mother. Mm -hmm. He can accept it, and when the time comes where he has to change it back, he has the courage to do so. And that theme is not just in Barry. Everything bad that happens in this movie in this alternate universe is because people can't get through those three steps. Thomas Wayne, he's stuck at the death of his son. He becomes this crazy Batman that yeah. is shooting people up until the end. Cyborg, he can't accept that the world is just meant to be doomed. So he goes out. He tries to do something with it. Aquaman and Wonder Woman, they can't accept how their relationship got so bad. So they mm-hmm. decide to tear apart the whole world. So there's this theme of what happens when you just can't accept an outcome and what happens when you have the courage to look past your pain and do something better with it. I think that is brilliantly. And this yeah. very compact movie doesn't overstay its welcome. It's the perfect length, I think, a little less than two hours. And everyone hits that theme. Everyone gets that journey. You see where they are in that journey. And I think that's really, really beautiful and really well done. So hats off to all the writers yes. uh, who had a part of this from the comics to the movie adaptation, this is how you do it. This is how you really make a good movie and condense a bunch of material into one package. You have a strong theme like this that is perfectly executed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. This is one of my favorite movies. It's up there with Mask of the Phantasm and Under the Red Hood. And this is the Flash's moment. And this movie did such a great job with its pacing. 
And I felt like that connection to the main characters and all the key players that were involved and seeing it compared to the comic version, I just love the fact of they were able to really hit on the major themes of the film and of the story. Even those moments that were just so random and unnecessary possibly to the story, they were so wonderfully done that I can't see this movie without them. Mm-hmm. Now that we've talked about this wonderful, wonderful film that if you're still listening to us now, I hope you continue to listen and then immediately watch it as soon as we're done. Or if you have already watched it before, I hope you watch it again. Yes. That's what I plan to do. It's time to talk about that comic book knowledge. <laughs> yes. Throw it on us. What do we need to know about the Flashpoint comic? Translated here, didn't get here. What's up? Yes. So one of the biggest things that doesn't make it to the film is the reason for the war. The true reason for the war. Before I start, I just want to say that the way that this was written out, this was Game of Thrones level of just (laughs) writing. The whole reason behind the war in the comics is we see one year into the past after this whole war has started. This is one year ago, Wonder Woman and Aquaman meet. She's gone swimming and gets attacked by a kraken. Aquaman rolls up, saves the day, while also being impressed by the ferocity of Diana when she's able to handle herself. They come back after being away for maybe about a month or two. I don't know, doing what? (laughs) But they, at that point, have decided to combine their worlds. They've decided that it'd be really great to, one, put together the Atlanteans and the Amazonians because they're this warrior group, but also it's a time for peace. So why not share their gifts with the rest of the world? Mm. And immediately we get this whole news surge of, of Atlantis being real, about Themyscira being real, and these mythical societies have come to grace us with their presence, all culminating in the marriage of Diana and Arthur, Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Mm-hmm. So as they're about to get married, they're at the altar, they're about to say their I do's. Queen Hippolyta is walking behind Diana and from the corner of her eye, she sees this glint of an armor and immediately a trident gets thrown towards Diana, which Queen Hippolyta jumps in front of, takes the hit, dies in Diana's arms. We find out that the person who threw the trident We see this person dressed in Atlantean armor, but it's actually Artemis, another DC anti-hero that's connected to the Amazonians. We don't know why she's done this, but she does immediately get caught by Garth. You might know as Aqualad. They fight, he loses, and in an attempt to continue this cover-up, she puts the blame on Garth, throws him off the balcony... And as he's taking his last breaths, he tries to tell Aquaman the truth, but is instantly killed by an Amazon. Mm. So time continues to pass. Aquaman has decided to take on a new bride. Diana is not feeling it because they, they thought that they can still broker some kind of peace through their marriage. But obviously he has moved on because neither side wants to be with, with the other. At first, Diana, now queen of the Amazons, is trying to deter her counselors. This is her aunt, Penthesilia, and um, another friend of hers from convincing her to go to war with the Atlanteans. The Atlanteans are rolling up now because 
Orm, Aquaman's brother, also mm-hmm. known as Ocean Master, is telling Arthur that he needs to show up to, to Themyscira as a show of force with their full thing because don't start nothing, won't be nothing, that <laughs> kind of thing. And neither Aquaman or Wonder Woman want this war. But the true players that are pushing this forward are Orm and Penthesilea. Penthesilea was the one that orchestrated the attack on Diana, but ended up killing Hippolyta. And when the Atlanteans arrive, Penthesilea has triggered bombs around the island to make it look as if it's the Atlanteans that did it. This furthers uh, Wonder Woman's attack on her. And that's when um, Aquaman actually gets the scar on his face that we see in the film as well. Mm -hmm. In an attempt to try to finally take out the Atlanteans for their treacherous nature, as Wonder Woman puts it, she decides to nuke the entire island to see if they can get rid of them once and for all. This leads into the Amazons going to the UK, taking it over, turning it into New Themyscira, which we um, hear in the movie as well. The um, Atlanteans are now trying to maneuver away from war, but everybody mostly wants the war except for Aquaman. He's now sending his forces out. But Orm gets into the ear of Queen Mira. She goes to attack Wonder Woman when she tries to attack her through a secret strike force. And that leads into her getting beheaded. Wonder Woman, in the most savage thing I think I've ever seen, takes the crown, which we also see in the film. But she also does, I don't know what to the head. We don't get, we don't see the head anymore. And sends the body back to Atlantis, signed, sealed, delivered. And that's when we finally go to war. We don't find out about all this until maybe the last issues of both Wonder Woman and Aquaman's individual series within this tie-in. Wonder Woman finds out through Lois Lane about the internment camps that have been built up in Diana's name, which she never signed off on. So that's when she finds out that her aunt is the one that's pulling the strings this entire time. So when she tries to go to confront her, she sees her embraced by Orm and they're just kissing. And that's when she realizes that the two of them have been plotting this all along, trying to get to um, to Aquaman to tell him the truth about what happened. It fails. Aquaman doesn't want to hear it. Orm sets off some more bombs, pulls a Penthesilea move, blows up the entire Atlantean fleet. As you do. Right. And we um, see that's that final battle that's happening. So... I just really love the way that this played out. The movie did a, did a nice job with it. Um, I mean, they basically turned Aquaman into a, a player, unfortunately. Yeah, because, I mean, everything you just said sounds not only like an amazing storyline, mm-hmm. but actually better than how Game of Thrones ended up. So <laughs> I definitely see the shortcut they took here. Mm-hmm. And normally I'm always for more detail, but I get it. To do all of that, it would have had to be an Aquaman and Wonder Woman movie instead of a Flash movie. So (laughs) I get it. (laughs) But don't get me wrong. I would love to see this still played out in some animated or some live action thing. Like I would, DC, if you're listening, please make a road to Flashpoint movie. We would love it. I mean, I would definitely love to see if some dramatic actors, maybe on the, like the the master from Doctor Who, Mm. Tywin Lannister. And they're like the um, Penthesilea and the Orm kind of talking and manipulating the background like this. I will watch this like a mom watching a Lifetime film. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You know what? They If they could, if they could just take the budget from Titan season three. And, you know, <laughs> instead of doing that, 
mm-hmm. uh, road to Flashpoint, I think we'd have a good series, and I don't think anybody would mind that much. Exactly. So uh, let's get on it. Whoever's in charge of Titans, let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk about a Road to Flashpoint series. <laughs> um, the other big change that came out from the comic that I saw was that we have a lot more heroes in play. I think with this film, unfortunately, got the the Captain America Civil War treatment where we took out a lot of the the biggest players, and by taking them out, we actually missed out on the opportunity to see a lot of the betrayals that happened in the comic. We do see in the beginning Enchantress, those of you might remember her from the Suicide Squad movie. She was wiggling a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that her. She um she doesn't wiggle quite as much in the in, in these comics, but she actually portrays her own team. And not only that, but she portrays the heroes too to the Amazons. And she's the real reason why, if we, as we see in the film, where Wonder Woman takes down Captain Thunder or Shazam or Captain Marvel, whichever name you prefer to go with, mm-hmm. she's the real reason why Wonder Woman ends up killing Billy Batson. After Enchantress says the words, he turns into a kid. Wonder Woman on sight just says she's going to kill a kid and does so. Um, another person that we see in the comic is Miss Hyde. She's a part of that resistance group that saves Lois Lane. Uh, there was another big betrayal that happened there. She betrays the entire resistance because just like Jekyll Hyde, she's trying to find a cure for this monstrous beast that's inside of her that has his own mind. So her normal self wants to just become normal, really. And that's where she decides to betray the entire team, which ends up also being the worst attempt at a double cross because <laughs> Miss Hyde, the 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 more aggressive version, was not having it and shut that down. <laughs> <laughs> we also mentioned Green Lantern and wanted to see more. We do see more, a lot more in the comic. Oh, great. Good, good, yeah. good. This was probably one of my favorites to read throughout this entire series because we see it more tackling Evan Sir in this Flashpoint Paradox moment. He does survive his plane crash. That's the alien that gives Green Lantern the ring. Yes. Usually, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see him adopt more of the Superman-alien relations role that we normally see in a lot of DC um, content. He's sent by the Guardians to find the White Entity, and this was spinning off directly from, I believe, the Blackest Night comic series. So we get this whole introduction of the different colors of the the Lantern Corps, um, the Entity being the source of the White Lantern power or the power of life. He does end up actually becoming a White Lantern himself. But prior to that, we see moments in which he's talking with Hal and working alongside him for the ship. We don't really get a chance to see much of like a joking nature because of the fact that he's leading these alien relations roles. But we do see that the ship that he has um, arrived on becomes the the template of the, the, of the new ships that they've developed that, um, as we see in the film, Hal uses to carry over the bomb, which does happen in the comic. He does um, kamikaze, but it's done so differently in the comic that it's a bit more respectful. It wasn't okay, two, two minutes and 35 seconds of wasted airtime. <laughs> Those were some of the big characters. And the last one I thought was the biggest one of all was Citizen Cold we get a very brief mention of him in the very beginning, non-speaking roles really of like him having his Citizen Cold Museum. He's present amongst the heroes that Cyborg has recruited. And in the comic, 
he's actually a bit more like his comic book persona. He is a criminal through and through, but he's actually pretending to be a hero. Mm. People know this, but the people don't care because he's been helping them here and there. <laughs> He's just like, well, oh, look, I, I stole some food for you, but remember I'm a bad guy. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, we, we hate you. Right. We, we hate like eating a Shake Shack burger. <laughs> we hate you. The one Shake Shack burger that survived this entire Armageddon. <laughs> Everybody knows the truth. The cops are trying to find the evidence to pin him down. The rogues are led by Mirror Master now. And they're trying to get payback against him for all the times that he's betrayed them. And they do so by kidnapping his sister, who you might know as Golden Glider, another one of the rogues. Mm -hmm. Um, See her in the Flash TV series as well. The biggest moment from this comic and from this guy was he killed Wally West. Damn. Right. Uh, (laughs) I, it was at this moment that I was just like, I loved your comic until this, but it was done in such a way that I respected the way he did it. So Wally finds the evidence and is ready to take it over to Iris. Wally is now employed as Iris's cameraman. So he tries to take it over to Iris. Citizen Cole finds him, freezes him on sight. And in the domino fall of Citizen Cole, Iris finds out when the Pied Piper reveals this footage to him of Citizen Cole killing Wally, she grabs his gun and kills him by freezing him to death. Oh, how poetic. How yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go out, that sounds like the coolest way to go out <laughs> laughing. He's, he's encouraging me, but please don't at home. Please. <laughs> There'll be more puns if... if... Yeah, I'm allowed I, to continue. I'll let you take that one. I, I had a couple <laughs> racking around in my mind, but I'll let you take that one. <laughs> and then the last couple things that we see in terms of the overall story are a change in the death of Thawne. Mm-hmm. It's at this point, Bruce actually stabs Thawne with a sword that he finds on the ground. I do prefer the gun that they use in the film because yes yeah it was so it was really more full circle the gun that um was used to create this life to pretty much end his happiness is now the same gun that's going to be used to recreate that happiness ah that that is so wonderfully said i i do like the gun better for another reason that we'll get into down the line in one of these Mm -hmm. episodes there is a it comes back Mm -hmm. and that's all i'll say now (laughs) <laughs> but yes, I do like the gun. A sword is also not very Batman to me. <laughs> Batman with a gun makes a lot more sense to me than Batman with a sword for some reason. It just works. We also don't see in the movie is Barry's ending conversation with his mother. In the movie, we hardly get a chance to really see Barry talk with his mom about the choices that he's made. It's really just the a moment of just like trying to figure out what's going on in this world. And, you know, a movie that's supposed to be really based off of just like this, this one change in history. I would have loved to see what they did in the comic played out on film of right when Barry is running into the speed force, going back to change time. He thinks about his mother one last time and the speed force instantly grabs him and pretty much yeets him out the entire way. (laughs) 
and puts him on the couch with his mom where he explains to her what he needs to do, how he needs to do it. And she accepts it. She sees how her life caused the death of hundreds of thousands of people, probably even almost millions of people Hmm. and accepts it. And I just loved that because it was for me a true closing moment in this comic itself because we see Thon give his rant about how he something else will happen in the comic it's like he no longer needs Barry in his life but also we see Barry grow and finally push himself forward to acknowledge what has happened and resonating with that with the same opening quote of the film acknowledge it accept it but know when to change what needs to be changed wow that that does sound like yeah you're right because it's kind of like at the beginning of the movie he's like hey mom mom's like hey you want to have a birthday cake and then he never sees her again right yeah so (laughs) that would have been good to have her come back you know what in fact that sinks the movie it's terrible zero out of five stars no No, i take it all back you see this is the greatest movie that we have that's part of this um, one of the greatest movies that is a part of this new universe that the um, dc is creating as a bridging point between all their films yes i think this is a great start as i think we've expressed i think this is a must-see even if you've seen it already if you haven't seen it in a while go see it again Mm-hmm. It's a great start. It's worth revisiting. And in some of the, the later rougher patches and waters we'll get into against the series, we always have comfort that this is what started it before things take a turn. I don't know what that's alluding to because <laughs> I'm just using that as a blanket statement. <laughs> when we get to a, If we get to a bad one, uh, just think about this. I planned it in the past <laughs> for the future. All right. With that, I think we have, you know, now I really just want to watch this film again right now. <laughs> I, I, I've got nothing to do. I'll, I'll go watch it again. Why not? All right, let's do it. But before we go, keep on listening as I share this week's recommended reading, which are very flash focused. And I hope you take a look in these books and these comics and these stories so that maybe one day in the future in the parallel Flashpoint universe, You and I and Andrew will be having these conversations together. Till then, take care of yourselves. Drink a glass of water. It's just good. It's It's never bad advice to drink water, so do that. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first comic on our list is Flashpoint. This five-issue miniseries by Jeff Johns and Andy Cooper from 2011 is the source material for the film and the major event that kickstarted the New 52 universe and our podcast. Next on our list is Flash Rogues Reverse Flash. This is a collection of stories of the different reverse flashes throughout DC history. Most importantly, you'll see Earbot Don's first appearance, the big moments in his war on Barry, and his role in discovering the biggest secret behind the current DC universe. Last but not least, we have Flash Rebirth. 
This six-issue limited series from 2009 sees the return of Barry Allen following his sacrifice and crisis on infinite Earths. Trying to make up for lost time, Barry ignores his friends and family, leading him to a dark discovery for his fellow speedsters, the return of his greatest foe, and a revelation that changes his whole life. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to yet another DC Animated Podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news and upcoming content. Take care and we'll see you for the next issue.